When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do policymakers have a clue? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With us today is Gio Chen, editor of Fidenza Macro blog. Hi, Gio. Hey, Maggie. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. And welcome to Real Vision. So since this is your first time on, why don't you just give us a little background on yourself and an idea of how you approach the markets? Yeah, so I've been trading global macro for over two decades. Um, it used to run a tra FX trading desk at an investment bank. And I left five years ago to basically trade my own capital. Uh, so I've been doing that, running my own investment business. And you know, recently just started writing the Fidenza Macro blog, where I talk about my views and suggest trade ideas and just try to help people become better traders. Well, we certainly need that help now more than ever, because uh, you know, if we think about everything that's happening, um, on the surface, which I think all of us can see, but then underneath, it's so complex right now. It's so difficult to figure out what the drivers are, what the repercussions might be. Um, we saw today the market, you know, just seems nervous. The VIX is ticking up. We saw risk assets sell off, but not, you know, before we were down and then up on a you know, rumor or, or Twitter thread that maybe Russia was thinking about diplomacy, that, that immediately got knocked down. But, you know, it's moving the market around. We had NASDAQ at a two-year low. We saw the Bank of England back in, again, supporting the pension system there. And guilt's looking like they're getting hit. The IMF warning of a recession. I mean, there's, there's just so much every day that we're facing. What's top of mind for you as you're looking at this environment that we're in right now? Yeah, the market has definitely been challenging because all the traditional relationships in global macro have broken down this year. And this year, policymakers are being more interventionist than ever. In fact, the past two months, um, as markets break, policymakers have just been intervening at a higher pace. Um, so, you know, at the moment, what I'm watching is the guilt market because we just saw. 10-year gilt yields go back to the highs from, from last week um, after, after the BOE said that, that we'd come and intervene. So the market is definitely putting the BOE to the test right now. Um, and this is putting pressure on other government bond curves. Um, you know, we saw treasury, treasury yields, 10-year treasury yields almost hit 4% this, uh, today. And that's been putting pressure on the rest of the equity markets. Um, so, you know, I think the BOE is going to have to come in and either inter intervene more aggressively or this trust is just going to have to come out with a more credible, um, you know, fiscal package. You know, it's it's do they have the wherewithal, the policymakers to get a handle on this? 
problem because I I think the worry is it starts to spiral and spread and perhaps spread just beyond the UK. I mean, we're talking about government bonds that are supposed to be really safe instruments. At least that's what most people were led to believe. You know, how concerned are you that policymakers can quickly move to get a handle on this and that it doesn't become something that's more systemic? Yeah, I mean, this is the first time in my career where I've seen I've had to pay attention to guilts this much. And, you know, we're, we're now, um, the BRV is now in a place where they have to start to implement, you know, kind of like the first stages of yield curve control. And this is not a place that you want to be um, because, you know, the, prob- the, the core problem in the UK right now is inflation. And by doing yield curve control, you're basically just accelerating inflation um, you, you're not doing the tightening that you want. So, you know, this is just a bad place. Um, and I think the Fed is is looking at what's happening in the gilt market and, and they're probably thinking, we, we don't want to go there. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that that treasury market dysfunction is is probably at the top of their mind as well right now. That's interesting because if you had heard them, they just keep banging on um, every opportunity they get about how they are going to keep hiking rates no matter what. Uh, you know that they're fully focused on inflation. Of course, they're not going to come out and say, "Oh, we're really concerned about you know some issue in the bond market." But they're you know it seems like they've been a bit tone deaf to everything that's happening in any kind of issue or problem happening abroad. And, and, you know, they're, they're all interconnected. In fact, there was a tweet, um, Rao responded to it today, I believe it was Lance Roberts, but it was the fourth worst bear market and no one wants to buy them, and meaning bonds. And Rao saying, listen, the system can't handle this. Are we starting to th- see things break down in the bond market in a way that we need to understand? Yeah, I mean, when you know, when you have QT um, and you have... You know, some of the, the, the central banks like, um, you know, China, Japan kind of starting to step away from from buying treasuries. Uh, that's that's a big concern. So um, even though the, the Fed is not publicly saying that they're concerned, I think, you know, behind the scenes, they I'm, I'm pretty sure they are. Um, you know, I, I've always thought that the Fed will continue to to stay hawkish until something breaks, and we are getting close to to that point right now. So, um, you know, I think the Fed is probably, in terms of their level of hawkishness, they're probably in overshoot territory right now, um, and you know, we're probably going to see more intervention from from perhaps the BOV and and other central banks. Um, down the pipeline. Are you in the camp that is concerned that they're going to, there's going to be a policy misstep here because they've done everything they can to convince us that there will be no pivot. So how can they, how can they do anything to address the situation that's unfolding if they are concerned about what's happening in the treasury market without losing, without looking ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be hard for them, for the Fed at least, to to pivot today. But um, I do think that, given a little bit of daylight, um, let's say you know, CPI starts to to fall down to a seven handle, six handle by the end of this year, um, they they might start to relax on their hawkishness. 
but we'll have to wait for that. So we are we are dependent. We've got a CP, CPI reading coming out this week. So can they stick by that inflation fighting, you know, on that inflation fighting path? We There's no indication that we're going to see that number come down rapidly. It looks like it's going to stay elevated. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen this month. And um and the CPI, you know, does look like it's it's, it's going to come in pretty elevated. Um, you know, the Cleveland uh, Cleveland Fed, Fed is is predicting that's going to come in 0.1 higher than than what the market expects. Um, but you know, I, I think the the market really has a bad track record of of predicting the CPI. So it could really be all over the place. Like I'm not. I'm personally not going to go into that number positioned uh, one way or another. I'd rather just wait for it to come out because it could really land anywhere. Um, I do have to say this, though. If it does come in lower than expected, uh, I'll be jumping on that move and, and I won't be fading it because I think, uh, you know, market dynamics right now, positioning all support, a bit of a short squeeze in, in equities, um, you know, a reversal of the recent dollar strength. I think this is all one big momentum momentum trade that has stretched too far, in in my opinion. And position is pretty one sided right now. So when you say jumping on it, would you how how would you trade that? What would that look like? Would you be doing it through equities and through currencies? Would you be across the board looking to um, to take advantage of the fact that it seems lopsided in a lot of these markets? Yeah, I'd, I'd be looking to to sell the dollar, so maybe just go long long euro on that, and um, and and also go long S and P futures. Uh, so I should, as well as silver as well. Oh yeah, we're gonna. I, we actually have a question on precious precious metals that I'm gonna get to in just a moment. By the way, two things: um, if you have a question, you probably are getting sick of hearing me say this, but our live chat is um, not operating on the website right now as we upgrade. Uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, so go ahead and hit us in the YouTube chat or drop it in the comments, or you can tag us on Twitter using Ask RV or tag Real Vision, and we'll make sure to get them in. Um, and I should also note that Gio, the trooper that he is, is joining us from Singapore, where it is literally the middle of the night. So you should be sleeping, but instead you're with us, which we appreciate. Um, but it's fantastic because I'm really, really curious to um, hear your view, because I think it probably feels a little different where you're sitting, you know? So the people who are sitting in Europe dealing with the energy crisis, dealing with what's happening in the UK pension system, Credit Suisse, et cetera, feels a little different from some folks who are sitting in the US where we haven't really seen those earnings hit that people are talking about. We got a lot of questions recently about um, high-yield bonds. Why haven't we seen spreads blowing out if we are starting to see things break? What what do you make of that, Gio? Are there some parts that maybe are or areas that there's too much complacency? Or do you think it's sort of, you know, the, the positioning is appropriate given the amount of risk out there? I actually think the the amount of positioning is appropriate given the amount of risk. Um, if you just look at equities, I mean, almost everyone I know is already bearish right now. Um, a lot of people are in cash. People are, are hedged. Um, a lot of people are outright short. A lot of people own protection. Um, I just saw that 
you know, institutional traders net speculative options premiums are, are close to levels where they were during the great financial crisis. Um, so, you know, I, I think this, this equity sell-off is kind of running out of steam and, and mm -hmm. we, we have the, um, the, the conditions that kind of precede a squeeze, but we, we really just need a trigger. Um, just look at the price action today, even like 10 year yields, 10 year treasury yields, just, just almost touched 4%. Um, and, and equities are, you know, down 75 basis points. Um, it's, it's not a disaster, but they're, they're definitely holding in. Okay. Um, you know, the guilt market is tantruming again, but Brett Sterling, um, is only down you know, 35 pips. So I, I do think that, that the market is, is trading a little bit exhausted here. Mm. And, and all you need is a little bit of daylight and things are going to start reversing. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. That's so interesting. And speaking of that daylight, uh, I want to run a clip from a conversation that Larry McDonald had with George Whitehead about the complexities of the situation we're facing with the UK and Europe and really importantly, uh, Ukraine. Let's have a listen to that and we'll talk on the other side. But it is a classic now, the level of yields for real money at the long end of the UK market. Everyone's worrying about the panic of when the Bank of England stops to support operation supposedly on the 14th. The level of yields we've got now with the dynamic shape of new issuance being shorter Real money will turn up to buy the long end of the market, which is their natural home. International investors will buy the short end of the market because sterling is attractive. And there's a, a, an enormous amount of redemptions over the next year where that cash will be invest, reinvested in the UK with sterling anywhere close to these kind of levels. What are the implications there? Um, implications, I think money then may get taken away from other markets, but it, it, the, the biggest sea change will obviously be if there's any change in the war in Ukraine. Ukraine we haven't talked about, and I think it's a situation nobody has a quick fix for. Mr. Mastrinky does, but you know, he's on his own planet. Um, but uh, I, I think you will see any kind of change in the tone of that will put the Fed under more pressure to take their foot off the pedal because people will change, will reduce dollar assets once they feel there's any kind of glint of light. And you can see that full interview, which is part of our Make or Break series on the website. They really dig into the situation with the gilt market. So it's super interesting for just some context around that, um, as well as, you know, all of these geopolitics with geo, which is what we're talking about. I mean, it's you're, you're trying to not only look at economic situations and relationships that are behaving strangely, but you have something as unpredictable as war and what's going to happen, you know, trying to figure that out, um, which no one can. So how do you 
approach something like that. We saw how sensitive the market is because uh, you know one Twitter headline and we saw a reaction. They walked it back and equities ended lower. But to your point about people being sort of maybe sh- these positions being stretched and everybody on one side of the trade, how are you thinking about the Ukraine situation? Yeah, you know, I feel like the, the global macro environment has kind of stepped back stepped away from focusing on Ukraine. But we're now reaching a point where, um, you know, Ukraine is just taking territory back so quickly that the current status quo is is unsustainable. So um, there there needs to be a resolution, I think, coming in the next couple months where either um, Putin doubles down somehow or he kind of you know, steps back or tries to negotiate some kind of truce or something. And obviously, yeah. in, in the latter situation, you know, if uh, if the market sees some kind of de-escalation in Ukraine, that's going to be seen as positive risk. It's going to be seen as negative dollar, and it's going to be seen as um, less pressure on, on the inflation front. Do you feel like the dollar's peaked here? I think we're in a peaking process um, and it's messy. It's, you know, it's, it's not going to be in a straight line, but, but um, you know, we are in a peaking process, I believe, just based on positioning, uh, based on what central banks are, are doing in terms of inter- intervention. Um, you know, the Bank of Japan, for example, intervening to, to sell dollar yen. We have a question from uh, Necro Capital on gold, and you mentioned silver before. So how are you, how are you thinking about? First, you talk to us about silver um, and what you're thinking there, and then maybe follow up with gold if that's on your radar at all. Yeah, so silver and gold have been have been really interesting. Um, so first of all, you know, just just looking at the technicals themselves, um, gold. Gold kind of broke through support at 1680 last month, and then has since kind of chopped back up through that level and and back down. Um, so so I I do think, you know, gold is outperforming considering where where real yields suggest gold should be. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm long term bullish on gold. Um, Short term, you know. It's it's going to be choppy, but long term I'm bullish. Now silver is interesting because the the relative price action in silver has actually been really strong, and it just feels like the market is is, is short. Um, you know, every every dip's getting bought. Um, the the rallies are pretty pretty violent. So I, I do think at some point when when you see um, you know the the U.S. recession formulating and and you know like the, the the market kind of angling for Fed pivot, that we're we're going to see a pretty big rally in, in silver up up into the you know, mid twenties. Uh, I'm just going through all these questions. Thank you guys; they're great. Uh, bear with me as I'm sort of operating here. Andrew K asking: Is a recession priced in? Yeah, I do think a recession is getting priced in. Um, you know, equities down down where they are um, is definitely priced in. But you know, I, I think that when the numbers actually come in recessionary, 
when you see unemployment tick up, job, jobless claims tick up, um, you know, ISM readings fall well into the 40s. I think that's actually going to be good for the market. Like, I think bad news will will actually be good for for stocks um, because because the Fed is just the market is most fearful of of the Fed right now. They're they're not really as fearful of you know earnings recession. In in fact, in the seventies when you did have an earnings recession, that was already after um, the the market had bottomed and, and started to rally. So, so you do you see equities purely reacting over whether the Fed pivots or not? Is that the key for for equities? Why why would that bad news, a recession news, be good for equities? Is it because they anticipate the fact that the Fed will revert or reverse? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the the market will start to to take hikes out of out of the curve um, as a first step. And then they'll start to um, price in a pivot down the line, and that'll be bullish. What is is there a scenario, or have you thought about a scenario where the Fed doesn't hike anymore but leaves rates elevated? What does that yeah. do? To yeah, I think. Now, if you were telling me that was going to happen today, with the curve where it is. Uh, that would actually be bullish because we we do have quite a few hikes priced into the curve. Um, so if the if the Fed doesn't hike anymore or they hike, you know, in the next meeting and stop, that's actually pretty bullish. Um, and then you know, keeping rates there. Now that that's probably a different story. Um, I think you, you could see a scenario where it could be bullish at first, but as the recession gets long in the tooth and and the Fed is not responding, then that could flip into a bearish scenario. So Melson has an interesting question from YouTube. Can the Fed not keep things afloat through U.S. dollar swaps abroad while continuing to tighten domestically? Data isn't anywhere close to the point of a Fed pivot, um, hence the market reverting. And by uh, data, I mean inflation data. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, you know, if if they're providing more dollar swaps abroad, I'm not sure if that fixes anything. Um, yeah, I think the focus should be should be on on domestic like domestic policy. Um, I'm not sure if there there there's anything broken in terms of that that the Fed you know needs to fix with with dollar swaps at, at the moment. At the moment, yeah, that's the, that's the worry, right? Um, yeah. You know, if we get to that point. Uh, so, but you know, in a in a situation where there's any, the Fed's kind of in this difficult spot, though, isn't it? Because any sign, if they are concerned about the global system, say, or they're concerned, maybe that you know they want to see what their policy moves so far have done. But any sign that they are stopping or pivoting is going to unleash an equity rally. Doesn't that work against what they're trying to do? And uh, Serge asking from the RV site, won't a rebound in fuel prices also make it more difficult for the Fed to pivot? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, about fuel prices, they are starting to kind of, you know, bottom out and, and, and tick higher. So that's definitely a concern. Um, if if oil has back above 100, then that would definitely um you know, put a cap on on any potential equity rally. Um, I, I think the the key is that 
any recovery in, in equities needs to be, um, you know, driven by, by a, a real credible weakness in economic growth. So the one that we saw in June, August, wasn't that credible. And, and, you know, I, I wrote in my, in my blog that I was, I was going short on that rally, um, you know, back in August. And, and that was because the economy was just too strong. The data was still too hot. So mm -hmm. I, I do think that the, the data does need to come in weaker. That's interesting because we're not, we're seeing it in some places, but it's been surprisingly strong. I mean, there are those people who are looking at what they say, forward-looking indicators and saying, okay, we're starting to see things crater and it could happen quickly. But then there's been enough strong data that it's really hard to make that case across the board. When do you expect to start, sort of see widespread signs? Do you think we're in recession already, by the way? And when, when would you expect that to start showing up? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when when the uh, economic historians look back on today, I think uh, they, they, they'll probably include, you know, October as, uh, as within the recessionary period. Um, and, you know, I do think the conditions are ripe for for reversal but you do need the trigger um and that is what's missing right now mm. uh so i i will be looking out you know at the, at the data closely um but in the meantime i think the key is just to be to be nimble and, and tactical um and and not necessarily you know put all your chips in in, in, in any one trade uh Colin asking, how would a China reopening affect your view? Does it affect your view? Yeah, for sure. Do so, you expect one? It might be the yeah. well, it might be the important question. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you have the 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 party congress um, in 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 a week's time, and some people are talking about maybe they're going to lift or relax zero COVID policy. Um, you know, what goes on in the CCP is kind of unknowable, so I'm not going to try to forecast that. But if Monday rolls around and they have relaxed zero COVID policy, I think the knee-jerk reaction is going to be, it's, it's going to be bullish. But then you have to think about, um, you know, what's that additional bubble of demand going to do to inflation around the world at some point? And uh, that's probably going to be negative for, for bonds. And, and at some point, it's going to extend the uh, the bear market, um, in, you know, around the world in, in equities. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Annabelle asking, uh, is a global, I don't know if you look at uh, crypto at all, but is a global sovereign debt crisis bearish for Bitcoin? I think another way to ask that is, is, do does Bitcoin track risk assets, or do you see a divergence? Is that is that an asset class you're looking at at all? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think it's short term bearish because of the risk off dynamics that a that a global sovereign debt crisis brings. Um, but but 
I think it's long term bullish because of the of the intervention that that enforces upon policymakers. And the in intervention tends to be, you know, inflationary. Um, it tends to be things that that are positive for for Bitcoin, um, just just like you know what happened back in 2020. You know, we have, especially because you you talked about having a focus on currencies for a long part of your career, we um, had some guests on last week that were really looking at the Hong Kong dollar peg and, and very concerned about that as well. What's your thought on that? Yeah, yeah. People have been talking about the Hong Kong dollar peg breaking for, for almost my entire career of 20 years. <laughs> um so you know, for me, like I don't, I don't trade that. Like when it happens, it will happen. Um, until then, you'll you'll burn a lot of, a lot of premium and pay a lot of carry. Try trying to bet on that. Um, I, I think, um, you know, the HKMA has the the financial means to to protect the peg. It's not gonna it's not gonna break like, you know how the how how sourced you know took down sterling. Um, it, you know, it took on the DOD. Um, when it when it does break, it will be a, a purely political decision. It'll be like somebody, you know, probably in, in in China, thinking, oh, you know, I think it's time that that Hong Kong gets, uh, you know, um, repegged to the CNY or maybe floating or something like that. So. Um, I think if it does go down, that's that's how it would happen. Um, but it's not something I'm, you know, trying to bet on right now. Mm. So, do you? We started our our show with kind of a rhetorical question, really. Like, do policymakers have a clue? I think that really, you know, what we're trying to figure out is, um, are they making the situation worse, or do you sense that behind the scenes there is more? coordinated, maybe conversation, because we're not seeing action, but conversation about where the strains are in the system. Because the UK pension system came awfully close, you know, to blowing up in a way that nobody wanted to see. There are concerns in the US that we're not immune from that either, that all these pension funds and asset managers operated, you know, more like hedge funds in the low interest rate environment and less like really, you know, stayed boring funds that they're supposed to be as they were looking for yield. And that maybe some of them have exposure that is going to get messy if these markets keep behaving like this. Do you worry about that? And do you feel like policymakers have a handle on that? Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is what makes global macro crazy, right? Like until, you know, the past couple of weeks, I, I didn't know what LDI was. Like, I didn't think pension funds were, were acting like highly leveraged hedge funds. And um, I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, the Bank of England didn't really know either. Um, and and the Fed doesn't really know every risk that, that's inherent in the system. Um, so I, and, and so far, like, I'm not seeing any public um, evidence that that's, the central banks are, are talking to each other in, in any real meaningful way. Um, mm -hmm. I think they are also kind of winging it right now. And, and I think, you know, with, with Jerome Powell, um, he, he had to, he decided to make a bold leap and say, you know, we're just going to like bring down the sledgehammer and just overshoot all market expectations on how hawkish we can get and, and let's see what happens. 
Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, he's probably nervous right now. Um, um, you know, because of the potential like market dysfunction, um, dynamics there, but, um, you know, hopefully they have a, a plan in place if things break. <laughs> so it's interesting because, you know, here's hoping, I mean, that's, that's a little frightening, I think for all of us who lived through, you know, 2008, 2009 and, and the aftermath of the great financial crisis, presumably they've learned some things from that. I mean, you saw the BOE move very quickly, um, the market's still testing them, but there's that. But for that, you know, for the risk that you just stated really out there, my takeaway from listening to you today is that you are kind of keeping your powder dry, waiting because you think there's going to be a big reversion. You think that there's going to, that a lot of these trades are lopsided and you could see a big rally in equities, a big sell-off in the dollar. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I, I do think uh, we're we're getting close to that point, and you know, it's it's hard to it's also hard to be positioned the opposite way. Like it's mm -hmm. hard to be you know pressing equity shorts right now, pressing dollar longs right now because because it's going to be choppy as well. Um, so I, I think the the volatility event is is more likely to be in, in the other direction. You know, um, an equity squeeze, dollar sell off. Um, and, and maybe, you know, I'm not counting on this as much, but maybe like some kind of bounce or recovery in, in, in bonds. It's so interesting because it sounds like your macro head is worried, but your trader gut tells you that things have gone too far and that there's some kind of move coming in. It's most likely the surprise is what people don't expect, which is the upside yeah. in equities, the weakness in the dollar. Would you be worried about that being so? So that's pretty short term, right? How? What's your time horizon, medium term, though? Do you worry more, you know, again about some of those macro issues coming to the fore, medium term? Is that a tradable rally, or is that the beginning of a more substantial swing? Do you think? Yeah, I, I think my my time frame my time frame tends to be. Um, kind of short to medium term, so like two weeks to, to several months. Um, but longer term, you know, I, I, I do think that, uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I don't want to be uh, too, too long a dollar either in, in, in short equities or under underinvested in equities. Um, yeah, yeah, so I guess both on, on both time horizons, I'm, I, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And, and it's, I don't know if I'd call it a contrarian view, but, um, but sort of very appreciated because it's often when things feel um, scary, you know, that you've kind of got to think what's the least expected or what's the, you know, where's the probability, uh, you know, really weighted toward. Um, so it's really interesting to hear that when things are looking horrible and the Nasdaq's at a two year low, you're kind of like getting ready. Yeah, I mean, everyone's, you know, definitely afraid of recession. And, and I'm saying, come on, just bring it, like, let the recession begin. So we can, you know, let the Fed kind of stop being so hawkish. And I, I think that'll, it'll actually bring a sigh of relief to the market. Well, here's hoping. Um, Gio, it was fantastic to have you today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. 
the Sri Lankan Prime Minister's house set alight. The first is authoritarianism, the second is corruption. The FOMC is strongly resolved to bring inflation down to 2%. Home builders are abandoning homes. Massive protests going on here. We're going to see a material impact here on growth and indeed on earnings, which my colleague changes happening and you can fear it. But you're not going to stop it. There are really only two countries in Europe that have managed to maintain a replacement-level birth rate, France and Sweden. This is the biggest bubble in the history of the world, and you have no clue. It's all herd mentality. It's the same as the property market. What happens over the next few months could define what happens over the next few years. So we want to make sure that you understand why. You've probably realized that we really have been listening to you. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.